Hey guys, welcome. What's going on? This is the Crossways podcast where we discuss how we can walk in the way of the cross. And I'm your host, Jonathan Dremony. And tonight we're talking about spiritual formation. And I couldn't be more excited because right now we have right here with us the one and only Matthew Marine. Hey, Matthew, what's going on? Hey, Jonathan, how you doing? Thanks for having me on your show. Well, great. Well, great. Well, you know, it's 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 a, a pretty good day. I know we've talked a little bit. It's it's a new era right now with things going on with this social isolation stuff. But I know I hope you're doing well and I hope you're staying busy like I am. But I thought we would go ahead and just jump right in. Let's just get started talking about spiritual formation. And I know we talked about this the other day, looking at Ephesians chapter three. And, when, you know, when it says in verse 16, According to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner being, or some, some translations say the inner man. You know, when we're talking about that, what type of power do you think Paul's talking about when he's saying we can be strengthened with this power? Spiritual power. Okay. Spiritual that's, power, that's yeah. That's exactly what he says. Yeah, yeah. And, the and Holy I, Spirit. I can't hear you again, Matthew. We're having problems. Are you there? Really? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you fine. All right. Well, we'll just keep going. If we, they, well, I guess we'll find out if we can hear each other. But as we're looking at this passage, going into to verse seventeen, it talks about I think the key to that spiritual formation. You know, we want to have that spiritual power, and he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you may be. Says that you being rooted and grounded in love. So those that that first right there, I think, is very important. So I guess the, there's two questions I kind of want us to discuss for for the next few minutes, which is, how can we make sure that Christ dwells in our hearts? Uh, hopefully, you can hear me now. Can you hear me, Jonathan? You're cutting in and out pretty bad. Really? That's odd. Yeah. You know, it's probably the internet around here because. Uh, you, you, everybody's watching TV and streaming, and they're not focusing on their spiritual uh, thing. They're watching Netflix, probably. Um, so, uh, what was the question again? I got off track. I said, "How can we make sure that Christ dwells in our hearts?" Well, I, what I find uh, from my experience in the church, and not growing up as a Christian, and coming to Christ when I was about nineteen years old is that we really put a big emphasis on uh, salvation. We want to see people being saved, and we want to do evangelism. And then as soon as somebody's saved, we also have this mindset that we need to get them involved in service, and they need to be Christ's workmanship. We need them working and serving in the Lord's church. And we kind of miss one of the most crucial components of spiritual growth, and that's sanctification. So you okay. have salvation, and then you have service. But unless we create sanctification, that means being cleansed and being made holy, I think that's where people burn out, and they're not ready for service because they haven't been strengthened in the inner self, into the inner being. And I think we got to do a lot better job of developing their spirituality before we automatically start telling them, hey, you got to get busy for Jesus. 
and they do that, but they don't have the spiritual resources to really work into the kingdom yet. Yeah, and, and I guess, so is that is that something that we need to be equipping them with, or is that something that is the individual's responsibility? Oh, I, I yes, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, if our churches are not involved in spiritual formation, we're not being church. You know, yeah. you, you are given a body of Christ to help people make that transition into service. And, of course, the church can't do it for them, no. so they have to also participate in that work. But they get involved in a lot of good works, but they haven't created the spiritual strength. So here's what I think is the difference. There's been a lot of times in my life where I have served because I love Christ and I need to do the right thing. And usually at the end of that season or end of that time, I feel spiritually tired. I feel weak. It's because I'm not serving out of the fullness in Christ. I'm not serving out of the abundance or the pouring out of you know my my love for god i'm serving because i'm more into the command i got to serve i got to do this instead of it coming from an abundance and overflowing i'm serving out of more legalistic type of command and control type of thinking so you think that's kind of the difference when it becomes when he says that christ may dwell in your hearts you know, it's not just I'm doing it just because I'm supposed to. I'm doing it because I desire to do so. And that's part of that being rooted and grounded in love. Not just love yeah. for each other, but love for the commandments and love for the Savior. Well, I, I think it, it comes down to it. So you're right. What you're saying is completely uh, correct. And what Paul was saying there, that you're going to serve because you have been transformed so it's not that you have to do this you want to do this yeah like you're excited to serve you want to give back because you have been so abundantly blessed by the savior yeah we can't help and, but keep it you know can't help but tell everybody about it kind of like the apostle said yeah 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 and you can't help but serve you can't wait to give back because once again it's coming from the overflow. When, when you have a cup and you pour water into it, the, the cup never feels lacking because there's always water in it. And so it pours out. It, it flows out. That's what good spiritual transformation does. We serve from that overflow. And the reason our motivation is, and I think that's what Paul gets at, it's not from, hey, I gotta, I gotta listen to these commands. I gotta, I gotta do this to be earning my salvation. You do it because you genuinely love people. You genuinely care for them, and that's where he talks about love for one another. Yeah, with all the saints. Yeah, and we can do all those things. And and I wonder, it's hard sometimes to love people though. You know, and, and, and that's when I think it, there's that disconnect where it's, you know, well, if I, I know that I'm supposed to do it and I really don't like this person, 
Is that kind of the trap we fall into when it becomes legalistic? Or do we have to work on loving each other more often, seeing them as a soul, seeing them also as God's masterpiece, not just ourselves? It, it, yeah, if you look at Luke, I, I, I believe I was uh, studying this, Luke 7, and you have the man who is full of demons. His name is Legion. And Jesus gets out of the boat, and here comes this guy who's essentially naked with a demon, yeah. shows up. Now, is that the guy you want to hang out with on Friday night? Probably not, no. No, no, that guy's strange. Yeah. Like this guy is at the uh, the peripheral of society. As a Christian, you're sitting back thinking, I want to go to the other side. <laughs> like if that guy's in the ditch, I'm going to the other side. I can see this and I don't want anything to do with it. It's fascinating that Jesus enters into a conversation with him and helps him. He blesses him. Okay? He frees him from those demons, and that man lost his identity. He was no longer what, – what's his name? He doesn't say his real name. He gives the name of the demons. How often do we see somebody lose their identity, and they become so attached to that addiction or that sin that that is who they are? Jesus still leans in to help rescue them from that. I, I think as Christians, we have forced ourselves with guilt saying, hey, oh, we got to we got to help that person. You know, that's the right thing to do. And we don't do it because we don't want to. But if we had the compassion of Christ and the love for humanity, I think we can balance that where we help. We, we can not go to the other side and we don't have to be the savior to them. So when people are in need, we usually pick those two extremes. We try to be the savior or we try to go to the other side. Yeah. And Jesus, even later on in that chapter, I think 38, 39, says, no, don't come and follow me. No, don't, don't come and be my disciple. Jesus has boundaries. He says, you go back home and tell everybody what God did for you. Yeah, and he, he was empowering that individual to go and, and help also spread the good news or eventually the good news and what he had done and changed for his life. But I want to go back to something you said, two things. One, you know, we, we can't be the Savior. And, and, you know, we shouldn't try to be the Savior. You know, that's a dangerous thing to try to be, you know, in the sense of at least for credit worthy, you know, credit wise. But I think everything we do, we should be saying, or I guess doing in a way where we're giving God the glory and, and giving him that credit. But, but you mentioned finding our identity in something sinful or something wrong or maybe even something worldly or maybe even something good but not healthy you know do you think the opposite also is true where we oh yeah we view the others with that identity so then it gives us an excuse not to help them oh yeah yeah, yeah. we we when you get to know somebody you can find their identity really quickly because usually they're going to telegraph they're going to tell you what the most important thing to them in their life is. And some of our people are just as addicted to church and being seen or esteemed in a congregation. And they're serving not because of spiritual transformation, 
is because of family obligations or they're, they're, they're serving because of guilt. Uh, they're serving because of expectations. And their identity is to be that hero in the church. And anything that is exalted above spiritual transformation in Christ's likeness is once again that type of idol or that identity marker that is not of Christ. True spiritual transformation, if our people are being formed into the image of Christ, it's the desire to do what is right, but it's also the identity, it's also the ability to know what you want to serve and what you don't. Uh, just throwing yourself out there and and trying to be the hero boy is not going to be any healthier than the person who's sitting there full of some type of addiction. You're just addicted to church instead of addicted to really having a relationship with Christ. You're addicted to something else. Yeah, and, and that can be really dangerous because that means we haven't been transformed because we're yeah. still it's still about us. And yep. the sooner we can realize that it's not about us the sooner we become more like Christ. You know, Christ even said, you know, I came to serve, you know, not be served. And sometimes I think we masked service in the in the way of, if I do this, then I'll get this credit or I'll get this recognition and then I benefit. It's not God benefiting anymore. It's, it's I'm benefiting. And, and that, that's, that's, that's a way of being served. You know, if we're serving just, owed of some motivation that is not from the abundance or from love, we become like whitewashed tombs. We become like the Pharisees. We, we, we're just doing this to do it. And, and I'm, I'm concerned that that is where some of our churches are discipling people today. You know, what, what's, what's, think about in your congregation, what's a sign of spiritual maturity in our churches? How much you show up. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. And that's maybe how much you volunteer. And and if you show up and you volunteer more than everybody else, we consider that to be spiritual maturity. Is it? Yeah. And another thing I think we confuse spiritual maturity with and uh, was just knowing stuff is is knowledge oh, yeah. is knowledge uh, indicator of maturity. I think we it we can be. It, it can it, be. It cannot be. But it's not always. But, no. We, no. We, the, I've had professors uh, in my education that could quote the entire Bible and didn't believe it. Yeah. And, and and I think I think when we disciple people, once again, it's somebody who knows lots of verses. Now I believe Reading the Bible, memorizing scripture is very crucial to spiritual formation. So do not hear me saying or in any way diminishing Bible reading and Bible memorization Absolutely. and Bible study. But also hear me saying just because you know it doesn't automatically transform you into it. Absolutely. Uh, I've been teaching uh, a class at this Christian academy, and one of the things we've, I've mentioned several times is uh, knowing something and then actually doing it. You know, we've been in James, so that's a really easy thing to do about faith with, you know, requires action. And there's really no such thing as an inactive faith if you get down to it. <laughs> but when it came down to that, I said, you know, I know how to be healthy. 
I know, I know how to work out. I know what I need to eat, but I just don't. And I said, if I, if I expected myself to get in shape by doing nothing, what would you call me? And Oh, Jonathan, so, you're already a physical specimen. Come <laughs> well, on now. I know. Like, it's I don't, a I hypothetical. Don't really it's hypothetical. Analogy. Hypothetically. Look at you. Look at, you. Look at that beard. Oh. Right. But, you know, and it's like, if I don't actually put everything I know into practice, it does me no good. And yeah. the same thing happens with spiritually speaking. You know, I can read something and say, I agree with that. But then if I don't do it, well, that, either I don't believe or I just don't care. And it's, so it goes back to different models of education. So the Hebraic model of education was to do and you'll learn. And then the Gr Grecian model was learn and you'll do it. And in a Western perspective, we're very much, you know, learn and you'll do it. But if you looked at the Hebrew culture, that was more happening of apprenticeship. And if for us to do a good job of apprenticing people in uh, we, we don't use the term disciple discipling that much because there's so much baggage with that term and that's why we even use the term spiritual formation because we can define it a little more uh, how we want to but if we apprentice people we give them the opportunity to learn and to grow by doing but I still think we miss the middle step of helping them to become more like Christ and allowing them to grow. One of the biggest mistakes that I have made in leadership and in my ministry is seeing a new convert being super excited, wanting them to get involved through service, and they have a good heart, good mind, uh, excited to serve Christ, and then they burn out. And I sit back and think, is it them? Is it me? Well, it's been me. It's because they weren't formed in Christ yet. They weren't doing it with the right motivation, love, and an empowerment of the Spirit. Definitely. So, so you know, it's it's you know, like we said, it's it's kind of our responsibility to help guide them. It's their responsibility to reach that transformation, because it's ultimately everyone's responsibility. But we have we have a huge role in helping equip them, helping lead them into that way of that spiritual formation to be transformed, to be like Christ. Because, you know, in verse 20 of this, of back to Ephesians chapter 3, when he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, a lot of times we stop right there and say he can do great things. But it says, according to the power at work within us. And so yeah. once we reach that maturity, once we reach that transformation— then all these great things that, that we can't even think about because they're so fantastic. Can, God's saying, I'm, doing, I'm going to do that through you. You know, you are my yeah. masterpiece. You've been created for good works. And these good works are going to be greater than you can even imagine. And I think sometimes yeah. we try to jump to that greater than we can imagine before we even get to become like Christ, like you were saying. So Yeah, we jump to good works too quickly with people. It, and it's we want them to have good works. We, we, we're just okay. You're you've been saved. Now it's time for good works. Have, have we spent any time really developing in their spiritual character before we give them those opportunities? You think about it. Elders don't be new or immature in the faith. Why they will be puffed up with pride. Deacons don't only, only appoint them after they have proven themselves in service. 
if if it's a biblical precedent of people needing to be proven first, probably that middle ground of seeing if they have been spiritually formed comes first. And and I think we do that with simple processes in our church. Sometimes trite is right. And in our world, we're always looking for some new methodology, new program. You know, maybe if I go to a new church, uh, get a better preacher than like a guy named Kurt. We, 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 would, we would finally be fed spiritually. No, I think prayer, Bible reading, Bible memorization, meditation, it works. Because you're tapping into the mind of God. Yeah, and I, and I wonder, it goes back to what you said about apprenticeshiping or maybe even mentoring, where I think too often part of that desire to seek those good works, try to, in, I guess, fast track it all, is almost like, you know, when people were, and I forget, and uh, I heard this, so if it's inaccurate uh, history, then you can correct me. But when they were first training the first paratroopers, they almost just said, okay, uh, you're going to jump out and uh, say this word, and that's how much time you'll need to fall, and then pull the parachute, figure it out, jump. And I feel like that's what we've, we've done with so many Christians. Okay, you're, you, you volunteer, or you're committed, or you say you're committed. Okay, here's what I need you to do. Go do it, figure it out. And then we almost wash yeah. our hands of it. And when they fall away, we say, well, I guess they just weren't dedicated. And yeah. uh, not good soil, not good soil. So <laughs> I've been doing some training on coaching. So I'm a tennis coach and I've been getting a certification. And one of the things they really emphasize is micro progressions. And I sat there. So if you go into and you're running a, a practice and there's a skill that you're working on, you don't give them the hardest type of drill to do starting off you start very small and then you take it to the next step and the next step and the next step i love for us as churches and church leaders to start thinking about how do we create micro progressions for our people yeah. what's our pathway for spiritual formation because i think typically our methodology is to have a class i think we use guilt too often and then we tell them the ideal, but as anybody who knows, being like Christ is really hard. We need micro-progressions. And so when I reflect on my life in the church, I sit back and think, I've had some micro-progressions naturally through good mentors and good friends, but have we ever done a quality job in our congregations of that. Tell me your discipleship process in your church. Yeah, yeah and I tell you, it, it, it seems it's the way that, uh, unfortunately, it comes down to, okay, we, once we make them, then it's stick them in a class or put them to work. And those micro-progressions yeah. aren't typical. Now, we have people, just like a lot of congregations, who are doing that individually. But yeah. when we start talking about doing that collectively or doing that as the norm, you know, you I, I hear in my head, well, that's just a lot of work. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, and and I'm not saying that's like what I'm thinking, but that's what that's the danger well, of, of it, it. It is a lot of work, but that 
that's kind of the point. You know, things yeah. that are worth doing require a lot of work. Like you mentioned tennis training. Those micro progressions, if you don't teach kids micro progressions or drills and you just stick them on the on the tennis court and say figure it out, you know, those drills, once they do one, two, three, four, then by five, they're like, oh, I'm putting all these together and now I see, now I have good form. And then you, starting there, it changes everything. Well, and they're encouraged. Yeah. They, they, they feel they're seeing progress. And I think that's so powerful uh, to, to, to see transformation happen. And, and I think we talk about people, you know, are you more spiritually mature now than you were five years ago? And I think that's a hard question for a lot of our people to answer. But if we could create more micro progressions, I think our people would say, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm seeing transformation take place. And that's encouraging. And they want to get more involved. They want to go deeper into it. And, and I think if we can create more of a culture where people hunger for spiritual formation, uh, you're going to see what you're saying in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, 21, God working powerfully through people. Definitely. And, and in, our, in our live feed, uh, we have someone who commented and said a lot of times some churches will promote, or, you know, promote folks or put them in certain uh, positions of authority with the hopes that they'll become more involved. And, yeah. uh, and that, that, that's a pretty normal practice. But again, like, like he said, that's backwards. And that, that's, again, saying, oh, our goal is transformation. Let's jumpstart their transformation. If they have responsibility, maybe they'll just wake up one day and it'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not yeah. helpful. Well, when, when you don't have a plan, you, you're going to try anything. And maybe it will get – and I think that's why our churches struggle with recruiting Bible class teachers, recruiting uh, elders, deacons. There's no training. Uh, ministry leaders. They, they – they, they have a good heart and they want to do it, but because they haven't been growing kind of consistently and they haven't learned how to serve out of the abundance, they have served out of guilt and they have found themselves burnt out in ministry. They have found themselves hurt and scarred by uh, serving. And we didn't, we didn't prepare them. Now think about this, Jonathan. You can run 26 miles in barefooted. Think about that. 26 miles barefooted. If I went and ran 26 miles barefoot, foot it right now, I'd have bloody feet. Yeah. But if I ran one mile, then two, then three, and worked my way up to it, I could do it. But we think. Eric, hey, let's put them in. Put them in there. Ask them to run twenty-six miles. Of course, they got bloody and beat up. Do you think it's because we feel like there's no other option because we've operated on a reactive versus proactive kind of style of leadership, or maybe style of operating, where all of a sudden, oh, we have five teachers that we don't have. So, up, oh, okay, we'll just start throwing anybody in who wants to instead of training over time and being proactive so when there is a need it's already being met i think it's complex so first of all of all those things that people have talked about to do poorly and we don't do well 
I've done them. Oh, yeah. So I've failed in every single way in this. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jonathan. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm Matthew. I have a mustache and I have failed in spiritual formation with people. And, 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 and one, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I'm trying to write a book about it and I want to think through this and, and why have I failed? And I think one of the reasons is I'm so excited when somebody comes to Christ, I'm just so thrilled that somebody wants to serve that it seems kind of odd that I would say no and say, you're not ready. So I I think I, I had good intentions and I think we have good intentions, but those good intentions sometimes put them in a situation that causes harm. Does that make sense, Jonathan? No, I, th- I think so. And I, I think, and what popped in my mind, and uh, uh, some of those who are watching or who might, may watch later, um, I've tried multiple times to get back in shape and try running. And I've noticed running is just not my thing. And uh, I prefer swimming. But I remember when I was training to run, and I had some a group that we were running with. It was, okay, so where are you at? Okay, you're with this group. They're doing this speed. You'll be with them. Yeah. But people who are really excited, I wonder if, if they had said, okay, Jonathan, you want to run? You know, where's your goal? Okay, cool. That guy who runs a five-minute mile, go run with him right now and see how long you yeah. last. You know, I think with Christianity, we're so excited. Okay, come this way. And we start sprinting, and they're still on the walking stage. And they're like, yeah. "Up, uh, I can't keep up. And when they do, they hurt themselves because they try to do too much too fast. And, um, you know, that's you know that happens – physically but i think that can happen spiritually where then you get bloody and you get bruised because you weren't ready you weren't prepared yet i I went to school and i remember when i first went into ministry and of course i had no church background i was kind of super excited to work with young people And, and working with young people was hard it is hard i was too immature and so i had to go be a preacher because of that immaturity and and so i remember getting in there and I really was not prepared for what I faced. And, and I was getting prepared for four years, and it was still hard. And if it wasn't for a dear mentor of mine named Bernice Westbrooks, I would not be in ministry. I can list the people who have helped guide me and mentored me that without them, I'm not sure if my story turns out this way. I, I, I think we need to understand the level of responsibility we're giving somebody and then partner with somebody who can be a mentor, who can be some spiritual resources. We got to, we got to check our flow and, 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 and kind of uh, be a little more patient with people, not discourage them, but walk them to where they need to be in leadership and in our our congregation god god will work and god will accomplish his purposes in us we just can't rush god's timing definitely and 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 it's going to be great and sometimes like you said we just have to be patient and and it'll get there well look at you jonathan yeah. you you, oh. you you know michael phelps right now won't touch you he's afraid <laughs> of you sure we'll go with that well, hey, yeah, it's. I, I believe it. Uh, I believe it too. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> let's get let's let's give like thirty or forty years when he's a lot older, and then maybe I'll just 
be able yeah. to swim because yeah. he can't swim yeah. anymore. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, it's it's about time for us to wrap up. Do you have any closing thoughts before uh, we close? Jonathan, you are the man, and I'm proud of you, man. Oh, Thanks well, I appreciate for having me on your. Hey. Thanks for having me on the show. It's an honor. I appreciate that. Well, why don't we we, we do a close thing? And it's been fun. And uh, But I thank everyone for joining us on Facebook and those who watch later. And uh, remember, we'll be here next Thursday at the same time. 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central, and uh, Crossways. And 5 yeah. o'clock Mountain Time. 5 o'clock Mountain Time. I can't do math, so that was pretty good. But yeah, uh <laughs> <laughs> but Crossways is always brought by uh, Holly Hill, uh, Church of Christ, and of course, Adventures in Ministry. If you haven't heard of Adventures in Ministry, I, I encourage you to check it out, guys. It's a, a great resource with lots of lessons, video series, and of course, the AIM app. And we got some good news in just 29 days. On May 1st, we have some, some pretty big news. I uh, can't tell you what it is yet, but uh, be staying tuned to that. It's going to be big. It's going to be fun. So uh, until next time, make sure you represent Christ well. And remember, I love you guys.